0: Good morning. We continue our series today, A Believer's Humility. We are actually in week six, including today. We have three weeks left of this series. Uh, I have been blessed by this series. I hope that you have been blessed as well. I, a little secret from me, every time I preach, I'm preaching every bit as much to myself as I am uh, to any of you, and so uh, God's revealing things to me all the time, and, and and I'm hope I hope that as they're revealed to me, I'm able to to reveal some of those things to you and make a little bit of a difference for you as well. But hopefully, this series has been a, a, a big of a blessing to you as it has been to me. Today, we look at righteousness through faith. Righteousness through faith. Righteousness is one of those things that we all hope to obtain, and the only way that we will find that we are able to obtain it as we go through this morning's passage is through faith. Well, the ability to do that, I think, is rooted heavily in humility, okay, because being able to obtain that righteousness through faith has to start with us saying there is something beyond myself worthy of obtaining. There is something beyond myself worthy of of letting everything I have go in order to follow after that and to obtain that. So we're going to be in chapter three today. We'll be in verses one through 11. As we have been doing, I'm going to read through the whole passage and then we'll just kind of go through it. Starting at verse one, it says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again as it is a safeguard for you watch out for those dogs those evildoers those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision who serve we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh though I myself have reasons for such confidence if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For those whose sake, I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. All right, that's a lot. There's some heavy hitting stuff here in this short little 11 verses. But chapter 3 kind of begins the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Philippians. It begins with him encouraging others to find reasons to express joy in the Lord. Find reasons, regardless of circumstance, to express joy in the Lord. This isn't the first time we've heard him do that. He did it in chapter 1, verses 18. Uh, He also did it in chapter 2, 17, And Verses 17 and 18, and and we'll see as we continue through the book that this is something that will happen again and again. Paul imploring those listening, reading his letter to the Philippians to, to find joy in the Lord regardless of where they may find themselves in life. And this shows us uh, uh, once again, while Paul is, is writing these words from prison, right? That's something that, that can't get lost on us. It's something that we could easily do, something that we could even become annoyed by. We get it. He's in prison, right? But It's the facts of the case, so to speak, and and we can't become numb to the situation that Paul is writing these words from. Imprisoned without his freedom, he is calling others to find joy in the Lord, much like he is finding joy in the Lord, and it shows us once again that our circumstances should never influence our influence on others. I'm going to say that again. Our circumstances should never influence our influence on others. Here's the thing, whether you realize it or not, you influence other people. You do it every day. How you greet them, how you treat them, how you behave around them, you have an influence in the world. Whether you ask for it or not, you are influencing your children, you're influencing your coworkers, you're influencing your spouse, you're influencing strangers. Everything you do is working towards some light, That you are shining in the world, right? We talked about last week how we must be a light in a world of darkness, but some of us are shining this uh, really unique light that actually casts darkness rather than light, right? We're, We're drowning out the sun rather than moving things away from it so that we all might partake in the light that there is in Christ Jesus. Our circumstances should never influence the way we influence others. We always always have an opportunity to find joy in the Lord. We always have an opportunity to choose joy over anger. We always have an opportunity to choose joy over bitterness. We always have an opportunity to to choose love over darkness, right? To choose light over over darkness. We have that opportunity. You are influencing the world around you. My question to you and the question you need to ask yourselves today is, what is that influence? What is that influence? Are you shining light or are you not? See, the nature of this encouragement that Paul is giving in light of his circumstances, his imprisonment, is becoming repetitive It is, but it is no less significant. I was told by a Bible teacher really early on and when I was going to obtain my biblical studies degree, if you see something in scripture over and over and over and over and over again, guess what? It's probably important, right? Little hint, if it keeps getting repeated, it's something you need to know. It's something you need to wrap your head around. It's something you need to apply to your life. It's something you need to allow to change you. Okay, and so again, we are gonna, we're going to have to start fighting that battle as we finish off our series of like, I feel like I've heard a lot of this before, Pastor. I feel like you've already said this before, and you're right, I have, but just like Paul told the, the, the readers of Philippians, I'll tell you, it's no trouble for me to go over it again. <laughs> I, I don't mind. And really, it's, it's a, like he says, it's a safeguard to you. Right? It's like when you're going around one of those uh, steep curves, right? And you have those signs, the arrows that are like, hey, this is a turn. And they just keep coming. There's like six of them. Why don't they just put one? Right? It's like, you sh- there's one. You told me it was a turn. It's fine. But it, they just keep going because they really want you to know this turn is coming so you don't like fly off the cliff until your death. That's what's happening here. Paul's just repeating over and over and over, you need to find joy in the Lord despite of your circumstances. That is what humility is about. That's what being a faithful believer is about. That is how you obtain righteousness, which is what he's wanting them to learn about today is by continuing despite where you find yourself to say God is good and I will be okay. God is good and I will be okay. An attitude of humility allows a believer to experience a faith of longevity. Okay? An attitude of humility allows a believer to experience a faith of longevity. We were at the Forge Men's Group yesterday, and we were kind of all talking. We got on the subject of just like some of the miraculous things that God has done in our lives. But, you know, for a miracle to take place, it's really taken place because of a trial or a tribulation that has taken place in your life, right? You don't really see something as miraculous when just everything's perfect. It's usually when things are going as bad as, bad as they can that you see the power of God in those moments, right? And so I will just tell you personally, for me, if, if my faith would not have grown over time, if it had not become stronger, if I, if God hadn't changed me into a person who was more humble, because I have told you in the past, that is not my natural inclination. I shared that with you week one. I'm, I'm not naturally the most humble person. I should be. I'm not. I think I'm pretty awesome, right? Like, I'm, fat, but I'm handsome. I could be a plus size model. Like see how I turn that? You like you see what I'm saying? Like naturally I just think pretty highly of myself. And so finding this humility that is required of me as a believer has been a journey. It has been a journey. But it has also been what has allowed me to have longevity and faith when I face trial after trial after trial after trial. When things seem like they just can't get any worse, but then they keep getting worse. What is it that allows me, what what is it that has allowed me to persevere through? It is my faith in God, recognizing that despite my circumstance, I can choose joy all the time, every time. doesn't mean I do that, okay? I don't always do that. I I, I wish I could stand up here and say, I always do that. Sometimes I choose to break things first before I choose the faith throughout, right? But, I always have that opportunity. I always have that opportunity. And so cementing ourselves in in that mindset, a mindset of humility, allows us to have a faith of longevity. And strong faith not only allows us to maintain a positive outlook on life, but it also prevents us from growing weary of the repetitive nature of living in a community of believers, I want you to hear this, right? Because our church, if you guys haven't noticed, it's growing. God is stirring. Things are moving. We're growing spiritually. We're growing in number. Things are going in the right direction. Praise the Lord. It's all him. It's not us. I know that, right? But there's going to come this next step as we grow where we are building our family and we are living life side by side with one another that we start to get annoyed by one another. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm there, okay? Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day indeed, all right? Our faith and our humility is going to allow us to combat that attitude of like, frankly, that attitude that just says, hey, I'm tired of this person, or I'm tired of you, you're tired of me. Right, because that's where we kind of get. But just like Paul is encouraging his readers over and over again and saying the same things over and over again, what allows him to do that? What allows him to say, not say to begin chapter three, hey, knuckleheads, I've already told you multiple times to choose joy and you're still, from what I'm being told, being morons, cut it out. Like why wasn't that part of his letter? Right. That would be part of my letter. (laughs) But Paul's faith, his humility makes it no trouble for him to to continue that process of encouragement, to continue that process of 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 choosing joy and encouraging others to choose joy, despite the fact that there's this kind of repetitive nature of life, which in and of itself is sinful. We go through this kind of cyclical process where we're up on the mountain and we're down in the valley and then we're up on the mountain and we're down the valley and we're all in between and things are going and we've got to be able to work with one another through these things. The need of the believer to receive encouragement and deliver encouragement is a constant in a believer's life. To follow Paul's line of thinking, what trouble is it really to us? Other than we're sinful and we just get annoyed. What trouble is it to offer a kind word? What trouble is it to tell your brother or sister in Christ to keep pushing? What trouble is it to offer yet another prayer for them? What trouble is it? How does it affect your life for the negative? What is it destroying in you to be that for someone else? And the answer is it nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Choose humility, choose joy, choose love. As part of the pursuit, Paul tells us in verse 2 to watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of flesh. Now, who in the world is he talking about? Well, I'm about to tell you. This is one of those instances in Scripture that is speaking about a very specific group of people in a very specific time, but the principle applies to all of us. Okay, so who Paul is addressing as he's writing this letter to the Philippians is a group known as the Judaizers and the Judaizers um, were a group of early believers who believed in Jesus as Messiah, but yet couldn't let go of their Jewish custom and tradition. And so they were tying all of these Jewish customs and traditions to faith. You have to do all these things in order to obtain righteousness. It's not just about believing in Christ. It's about checking the boxes. And one of those boxes that they were very firm on you having to check was circumcision. That in order to experience Christ's salvation, you still needed to be circumcised. And and Paul is is writing this warning, he's he's instructing his readers in Philippians to watch out for these Judaizers, Judaizers because these customs that they're attaching to salvation are only things that they themselves are doing, right? This is not something that God is doing. And too many of us get to this place where when we start to grow in our faith, we twist things a little bit and we think we have to check all these boxes and we're focused about all the things that we ourselves can do to obtain salvation. I must read my Bible every day. I must pray for an hour every day. I must do this. I must do that. I must be circumcised. I must, right? We have all these little boxes that we think we have to check. I need to maintain 93% attendance at church. I, I've got to serve in two different areas. I've got, we've got all these little things that we think somehow is proving our salvation, is, is making our salvation uh, more firm, Okay. But what Paul wanted them to realize, what he wants us to realize through this story is that there is nothing they are doing and there is nothing we aren't doing that affects our salvation. Our salvation is solidified in what Christ Jesus did on a cross. And the only way to obtain that salvation as we're getting ready to see is through Jesus alone. But the Judaizers were so focused on their own human accomplishment. Look at what I have done. In our humility, we know as believers that no human accomplishment is worthy of boasting. No human accomplishment is worthy of boasting. Instead, we rejoice in Christ alone. You see, people tie so many things to faith. We just talked about so many things. Am I giving the right amount? Am I giving to the right place? Am I doing all the things? Am I serving? Am I this? Am I that? Am I? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm not saying you should stop. I'm just telling you that those things alone do not prove your faith. You don't get to go to heaven one day and say, God, did you see all the stuff I did? I kept a spreadsheet. Let me just pull up the Excel. You'll see here on February 2nd, 2023, I open the door for Sally, right? Like all these things that we think somehow are making us worthy and all of it is dust in the wind because what really truly matters is whether or not we place our faith in Christ. And when we do that, when we are humbly submitting ourselves to Christ, all of the things that we need to do as we follow Christ will fall into place. We need to understand that all we need to do is submit to Jesus. Submit to Jesus, that's gotta be the focus. And as you make that your focus, you'll choose the right things to do. You'll follow where he's leading you. You'll pray when you need to pray. You'll be in your word like you need to be in your word. You'll be serving others as you need to serve others. Everything else will work its way out follow his will, and everything really will take care of itself. And then he goes into verse 3, and Paul states, it's we who are the circumcision, right? So here are this, this group of Judaizers who think that you must be circumcised in order to receive faith, but it's actually the people that are the circumcision. It's we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, that are actually doing the work of the Lord. He goes on to take things a step further in verses four through six. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, well, guess what? I've got more, okay? I've got more. Verse five, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And he drops the mic. See, this doesn't feel like a very humble moment. This doesn't feel like Paul's like, you should be humble. Now listen to how awesome I am. That's actually you know, that's like what you're hearing. That's what you're hearing. But Paul isn't here to to brag or boast. And while this seems like the farthest thing from humility, what Paul is actually doing is offering a comparison of great importance. You see, if anyone had a mortal reason to to boast of their works, it was Paul. He was a Jew's Jew. He was born in the best tribe, the biggest tribe, the brightest tribe, like Paul was the Jew. Paul starring in the Jew. (laughs) i mean he crossed every t he dotted every i he had great standing in the community he was educated he knew the law forwards backwards inside out and above that not just knowing the law according to the law he himself was faultless but he himself was also blinded on the road by jesus for persecuting his church and killing his people. But he checked all the boxes. He did all the things. He should be commended, not blinded. But instead, he lost his sight. The point that Paul is making here is that as a believer, doing All of the things, all of the things doesn't make you a believer any more than swimming in a lake makes you a fish. You can dress up in a costume, you could paint gills on your neck, you could wear fins, you could say, I'm a fish. And it doesn't make you a fish. You can check all the boxes, you can be a good person, you can do good things. And again, I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm saying that those are things that we should aspire to. But what I am saying is that those things will not save you. Those things do not make you righteous. Christ is what makes you righteous. And then the things will flow from you. And from your righteousness provided to you by Christ alone. All of us can find something to boast about. Every single one of us can. But humility will not allow us to misjudge our own righteousness. We just heard Paul brag, right? At least that's how it felt. We heard all the things. The Jew's Jew, the Pharisee, the persecutor of the church, born in the right tribe. If you looked for a Jew to put on top of a wedding cake, I don't know where that's coming from, He would be it, though, right? He's the pinnacle. He is the Jewish light on a hill, so to speak. But then listen to what he says. faith. Humility recognizes that Christ is greater than anything we ourselves can provide and therefore obtain. Christ is greater. Christ is greater. What Paul recognized, what he's trying to convince us us of as well is that the pursuit of Christ is the only way to obtain righteousness. It's the only way. And in That pursuit of Christ, the pursuit of Christ itself is worth losing anything that we might have to give up in order to obtain him so that as Paul states in verse 11, by any means possible, we might obtain the resurrection from the dead. The decision that we have to make today is if we're willing to give everything to gain the only thing that actually matters. Are we willing to give everything so that we can obtain the only thing that actually matters? Are you willing to give of your things? Can you turn your back on that dream home? Can you say goodbye to that dream job? Can you say, I'll go work here and make less money than I could make over here because this is where God's calling me to be? Can you say, I'll put myself second no matter what? I'll give up the fancy car and I'll give up the dream of the boat and I'll give up the, the the I put it for yourself, the season tickets to the Chiefs that you've wanted since you were seven years old. I don't need them. Can you set everything else aside and say Christ first, Christ alone? Can you give up your physical health it's one thing to give up things, but can you give up your daily comfort in living? What is it that you're still holding on to that is preventing you from being 100% Christ? What is it that you're spending your time and efforts pursuing that has taken the place of your pursuit of Christ? What is it that you need to say goodbye to? And if you're not willing to say goodbye to it, what does that say about your relationship with Christ? Not a question I can answer for you. But what we have to decide is are we willing, are we willing to give up everything, so that we can obtain the only thing that matters. Paul was. He was. He did. He gave up his freedom. He gave up his standing in the community. He gave up the adoration that he had received by so many. He lived with a thorn in his side for the majority of his life, physical ailment. And he said, take it all. Take it all, that I might just know Christ, knowing that there is nothing that is worth more than that. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together, this time that we spent in your word. God, I feel uh, like sometimes uh, I can get in the way, and I hope that this was not one of those instances, Lord, because Your word, your message today to us is powerful. God, we can obtain righteousness. It's something that we don't observe. But the only way that we get there is by putting our faith in Christ alone. That's it. God, so often we focus on all the things that we have to take care of in this life. And and yeah, sometimes we have to, but God, you you're the most important thing. And your son is the most important thing. And God, I pray that you would help us grow. You would help us mature. You would help us choose humility in times when we don't want to. That you would help us to love others like you loved us. That you would help us to say goodbye to the things that we need to say goodbye to. Things that Bring us joy, things that at times we feel like make us happy, things that maybe bring us wealth and comfort, but that in in the long run are not what you want for us. God give us the strength to make those tough decisions and, and to have faith in you that that says, Regardless of where I'm at, I know everything is going to be okay, and I'm going to find reasons to choose joy. I'm going to find reasons to choose joy. With humble hearts, Lord, we approach you with this request. And we pray and ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now's the time we get to worship and reflect and and, and give God the offering of worship that he is worthy of receiving. And it's also a time for us to pray, for us to go to God and seek guidance, but also thank him for whatever it is we may need to thank him for. If there's something today that you need to pray about, I'm going to be standing right up here and I want you to come pray with me. If that's not your jam, I won't be offended. You can use our stage as an altar. I don't say that enough, but come kneel and pray and give it to God. I'm gonna ask Ashley to stand up over here. And uh, Rodney, could you make your way over there if you're okay with that? And Chase, will you stand up straight in the back there? So you've got lots of options today, okay, all over the place. Uh, Joy, you stay there too. I'm gonna have Joy stay right where she's at. You have five options, okay? You could come pray with all of us. If you just want to pray a lot about things, that's a that's another good. We almost have a full circle. We're casting a wide net today. So if you have something to pray about, come pray about. If you need to talk about salvation and turning your life over uh, to Christ and submitting to His will for your life, then we need to talk about that specifically today. If membership has been on your mind, talk to me about that uh, after church today or some other time, and we'll get that taken care of. But salvation is primary. Otherwise, stand and let's talk and, and worship God and, just, and, and give Him what it is that He is due.